Life is not about waiting for the storm to pass, guys. It's about learning how to dance in the fucking rain. Welcome to Steel Jack City. Build strength. Get jacked. Begin today, it continues tomorrow, and it never fucking dies. Carve the mindset. The back's against the wall. The only way out is to put the work in. Now here's your host, C-Roy. What's your passion? My passion is fucking passion. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Steel Jack City Podcast. It is episode 11, but this is 10 weeks in a row now. So I actually went back and I looked. I counted them. This is the 10th consecutive week, but this is the 11th episode. I did record an episode like way back at the beginning of the year. I think it was in like March um, uh, when I was first kind of Dipping a toe in the podcast game, kind of see what it was all about, see if it was going to be a, a good way for me to to talk to you guys and communicate to you guys. And um, so I, re- I recorded a podcast way back then, uh, even it was before it was the SJC podcast, um, and I was just kind of messing around. And uh, it was about booty building, building up that butt, man, how to get it nice and big and strong, tight, rock hard, functional. And uh, it was actually a good, it was some good content in there. So I left it on there. So technically that's our first episode, but this is the 10th consecutive week on my goal to 52 consecutive weeks. And um, we're going to keep this ball rolling. Also today, big announcement. The podcast is now available on iTunes. Oh yeah iTunes picked up the podcast, man. So that is super exciting. So for all, for all of you out there that have an iPhone, you got your little podcast app right on the phone. Pretty sure it comes already on the phone. But you can look us up on that now. Hit that little hit that little uh, podcast icon. Search Steel Jack City Podcast and subscribe, man. Subscribe to it. And then all the new episodes automatically get downloaded to your phone so you can listen to them on or off Wi-Fi. You can listen to me talk to you wherever you go. So that's super awesome. I'm super excited about that, you know, having iTunes pick it up. I mean, iTunes, that's the, the mecca of podcast platforms. So to be uh, picked up by, by iTunes, you know, 11 shows in is, is super exciting. So spread the word. Um, it's going to be a lot easier to reach you guys now, a lot more accessible to a lot of people, um, and it's all good stuff. So with that, I wanted to celebrate with a super awesome topic today, one of my favorite topics, if not my favorite topic, period, and that is the topic of building muscle. I mean, getting strong, building strength, that's up there, but also building muscle, man, getting jacked, that is possibly number one in my book. So wanted to celebrate, man. And I wanted to cover something that I really, really enjoy, something that I'm really passionate about to give you guys some really awesome content. And what we're going to talk about today is how to build real muscle. 
Not fake muscle. Real muscle. Muscle that is functional. Muscle that sticks around. You're probably wondering, like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, have no fear because I'm going to explain myself. I'm going to give you guys a little story. Have you learned from my mistakes? This is how I learned this through my own mistakes. So let's start with a little, let's start with like maybe a little story, not necessarily like a story story, but give you guys a rundown of, of how I came to terms with this idea and how I learned this lesson the hard way. So once upon a time, way back when C. Roy was first bitten by the iron bug, I didn't really care about getting jacked. I know. Sounds weird just coming out of my mouth. But all I all I really cared about was being as shredded as possible. I didn't really I didn't care about being big, I didn't care about being strong. Um, you know, I was 17, 18 years old, you know, and uh it's embarrassing to to admit this, but um it was right around the time that those Twilight movies started coming out. And um for those of you that remember, uh, Taylor Lautner was in those movies, and um, he was shredded in those movies. He got super shredded, man, and the chicks just went crazy. Chicks went wild for it. Now, that's not why I was getting shredded. I, In my defense, I was already working out and shredded beforehand, but a lot of the girls would start to compare me to him, and, uh, you know... I, I took it and I ran with it, man. So, you know, I really uh, bought into just trying to get as lean and as cut and as shredded as possible. Um, and, and I was able to kind of be these girls like, you know, real life. Uh, oh, shit. What was his name? Um, oh, it's going to bug Jacob Black. Yep. There we go. I think that was his name. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm embarrassed that I know that, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, these girls. So I just bought into it. I was just all about being shredded. Um. So fast forward a couple of years, you know, when I started wanting to actually put some muscle on, um, I I didn't necessarily care about strength too much, but I, I wanted to get bigger. I wanted to, you know, start to fill out my shirts a little more and, and be thicker. Be you know, get jacked. I want to start, you know, getting big. So and I started eating more, you know, I, I, I didn't train, change my training too much. You know, back when I was into being shredded and being lean, I was a lot of, you know, high rep sets, a lot of supersets, a lot of drop sets, you know, just, uh, you know, a lot of work period, um, you know, sets of 12, 15, 20 reps. And, uh, you know, I, I still kept that. I mean, I started lifting a little heavier, um, but I didn't really change too much. I maybe just threw in one exercise at the beginning um, and going a little bit heavier, maybe doing like six to eight reps um, and just resting more. You know, I figured that if I just slowed my workouts down and conserved calories, then the food I eat would, you know, start to fill me out and I'd start to, you know, get bigger. Uh, and, you know, back then my diet was super clean. It was super clean. When I, when I just cared about being shredded, I was eating like 20 grams of carbs a day. 
it, it was insane. I was doing keto before people even knew what keto was pretty much. Um, although it really wasn't keto because I was still eating a lot of protein, but that's what most of the people these days do anyways, but they call it keto because it's a fun buzzword. But that's a whole different podcast, whole different topic. I'm not going to go off on that tangent. Um, but I ate super strict, man. So, you know, I increased my calories a little bit, started eating a little bit more carbs, and it did. I, I started to fill out a little bit, and um, you know, I just started getting massive pumps. I would just get massive pumps in my workouts. Um, and it was addicting, man. So I started, you know, lifting more. Uh, I started eating more. And, um, you know, it started working. I started to fill out a little bit. But what I would notice, I I say what I would notice. I didn't really notice it at the time. I mean, I noticed it, but I I just accepted it as the way things were. I didn't really think about it or know why it was happening. But back then when when I was lifting like that and I, I was, you know, starting to get bigger, if something happened like... You know, I got sick and and I couldn't eat. Um, You know, I got the flu or, you know, I missed a week of workouts because I was traveling, whatever it may be. And I couldn't eat the way I usually eat or hydrate the way I usually hydrate or, or train, you know, regularly. I would notice that I would lose a lot of my size, you know, my... My t-shirts weren't quite as tight around my arms anymore. Um, I, I felt flat. I didn't feel like I didn't feel big. I, I didn't feel like my gains had stuck around. I felt like they would just leave me if I just missed like a week. I'm like, man, this sucks, man. That's like so I I, I can't stop. I, you know, I can't. If I get sick, I gotta power through it or you know whatever it may be. But now knowing what I know. Looking back on that, I understand why that happened. And it's because I didn't build real muscle. I didn't lift the way I needed to lift. I didn't do what I needed to do to build real muscle. So what does that mean, build real muscle? How the hell can you build fake muscle? Well, I'm going to tell you. So... We're going to a deep dive now, all right? We're going to dive into this head first, um, you know, and some of the words I'm going to throw out might sound a little weird, might sound a little scientific, you know, might sound, might sound like I'm trying to be a little douchey and sound like smarter than I am, but don't worry, I'll explain everything. Um, I'm just going to try to do this the, the simplest way possible. So our first big word we're going to throw out there is hypertrophy. A lot of people, and I talk to people in the gym and stuff, and I, I mean, I just mention it. I just, I take it for granted, then I just say it. People are like, what the hell? What the hell does hypertrophy mean? What is that? Hypertrophy is the fancy word for building muscle. That's all it is. Um, you know, people don't realize, people, everybody knows what atrophy means. You know, if a muscle atrophies, you know, if, if a person's, you know, on bed rest or, you know, they get in an accident and they're in a coma or, you know, you know, unfortunately they become paralyzed or something. Their muscles atrophy from not being used. They shrink. They, you know, dwindle away. Um, they atrophy. Hypertrophy is the opposite of that. The muscle builds. It gets bigger. That is hypertrophy. So the reason I'm telling you this is because while I'm explaining all this, it's easier for me to just say hypertrophy than it is to keep saying building muscle or bigger muscle. Hypertrophy. 
equals building bigger muscles, okay? Now, I'll throw two more goofy words at you. There are two types of hypertrophy, all right? You have myofibular hypertrophy and you have sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Now, to break these down, like I said, I'll keep this as simple as possible for you guys. Myofibular hypertrophy is the thickening and building of the actual muscle fibers of our muscles. So I would like to think that we all know that our muscles are built up of fibers, muscle fibers. Um, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, but I don't want to get into the scope of that for this podcast because then it's just going to get way too confusing. And quite honestly, it's unnecessary for what we're going to talk about. So myofibular hypertrophy. I mean, you can hear fibular in there, fibular fiber. We are working the muscle fibers. We are making them more dense. We are making them thicker. Myofibular hypertrophy. So that is one way of building muscle. The other type of hypertrophy, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Now, if you go way back to your high school days, maybe even college if you went to college, but I know they covered it in high school because I remember it from high school. When biology class, if you studied cells, you probably remember the part of the cell called the sarcoplasm. What is a sarcoplasm? Sarcoplasm is like the um, the space inside the cell, the, the watery portion of the cell. Sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is just intracellular swelling. It is swelling the, sw- the cell. Ooh, there's a tongue twister for you. Swelling the cell. All right, so we have myofibular, the building and thickening of our muscle fibers. Then we have sarcoplasmic, which is just increasing the intracellular swelling of our muscle cells, of our cells in, in our body. So those are our two main types of hypertrophy. Now, if you had to guess, you could probably guess right as to which is the one you want in order to build real muscle. Do you want to build and thicken the fibers of our muscles or do we just want to swell the cells more? Myofibular, we wanna thicken that shit. But we're gonna dive into this. I'm gonna break these down. So, you know, back in my early days, and I was just chasing the pump all the time, doing high rep sets, you know. When I say chasing the pump, I hope we all know what that means, okay? If you're listening to this podcast, I would like to think that you know what that means. Um, but chasing that pump, man, just creating all that metabolic stress, okay? Um, you know what? That Let's dive into this too because this is going to come into play. I might as well check this off, off the box, check this box right now. Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, Schoenfeld, I think that's how he says it, or Schoenfeld, Schoenfeld, however he pronounces his name. He's essentially the doctor of building muscle. I mean, he's a legit doctor, but he's big into building muscle. He's, uh, you know, come to popularity because he uh, 
popularized the three components of building muscle. And honestly, I'm pretty sure I covered this in an earlier podcast topic, but we're going to go over them briefly real quick because it pertains to what we're going to talk about. Your three factors to building muscle. You need three things present or a combination of the three. You need A, muscular tension, which is essentially the weight that you choose in an exercise. So if I want to build my biceps, you know, I can do a dumbbell curl with a 35-pound dumbbell or a 5-pound dumbbell. The 5-pound dumbbell probably is not going to build any muscle because it's too light. There's not enough muscular tension. But that 35-pound one, that gives me the tension that I need to start building muscle. So that's muscular tension. That's the first one. The second one. And these are in no particular order. Um, We have muscular damage. So essentially the damage, the the physical damage to the muscle that uh, requires it to repair and rebuild itself back bigger and stronger. That is a component to building muscle. And then the third one is metabolic stress. Okay, metabolic stress. That's That's your high rep sets, man. That's chasing the pump, essentially, you know, to keep things simple. Um, you know, there's a whole scientific process that takes place for metabolic stress, but we don't need to know that. We just need, just, you just need to know that it's essentially chasing the pump, all right? Getting the pump, getting the blood into the muscle, lots of blood, lots of things circulating through there, a lot of byproducts, um, that cause the muscle to send signals to, you know, increase protein synthesis, things of that nature. So those are the three components of building muscle. Now you can tell like a sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, intracellular swelling, there's a lot of metabolic stress with that process. Um, But to do high rep sets, to do the sets of 12, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 reps, I've done them all. I've done 100 rep sets. It burns like a mother budger. Burns like crazy. But to do sets that high in reps, you cannot use a super heavy weight. So what you get in the metabolic stress category, you're sacrificing a little bit in the muscular tension and then even muscular damage because those high rep sets, the tension is not great enough to really break down the muscle. You will get just a lot of healthy uh, tears and just get a lot of blood to the area, and it's nothing that's really going to create a lot of damage. Um, So you get that with the sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, and that's a lot of what I built because I just chase the pump all the time. I mean, when you're first getting into it and you're wanting to get bigger, when you get a pump, you're instantly bigger. Anybody who's ever gotten a pump knows what I'm talking about. I mean, you do a crazy set of bench press or, or you know, just supersetting arms. If you're supersetting buys and tries, hitting, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 rep sets, supersetting your buys and tries, your arms grow probably an inch in your workout. And it is awesome. You feel amazing. You know, you wish it would last forever. So it's very addicting and it's very easy to just chase that all the time. And that's exactly what I did. I was wanting to get bigger. I was working out and I could see myself being bigger in the mirror. So I wanted to do that all the time. But then it would quickly leave. And then I was left disappointed. 
unsatisfied. <laughs> I could make a really dirty joke right now, but I will take the high road. I'll let you guys use your imagination there. So that's sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. So it's like your 10, 15, 20 rep range, even more than that. It can be even more than that, but, um, you know, and it's, it's mainly, you see it mostly with isolation exercises, you know, you'll see a lot with the bicep curls and the dumbbell lateral raises and, you know, tricep kickbacks and things of that nature, simply because to hit that many reps in a set, you can't use a lot of weight. Um, so, you, you know, it's, it's more, you, I'm not saying you can't do compound exercises for high reps. I mean, I do that all the time, but I'm saying it's more popular. Um, so let's let's touch base a little bit on the myofibular now. Um, so you could probably guess now where I'm going with this. If sarcoplasmic is high rep sets, myofibular is lower rep sets. So we don't want the metabolic stress. We don't want you know those super high reps, that crazy burning sensation. We're not chasing the pump with myofibular hypertrophy. We are looking for muscular tension. We want that heavy ass weight, three, four, five rep sets, maybe even six rep sets. Not much higher than that, though. Compound exercises, man. Talking deadlifts, talking bench pressing, talking squats. These these heavily heavyweight compound exercises that also build strength at the same time, you know. The myofibula, you're actually building thicker, denser fibers. You will get stronger. But the good thing about this is that it's going to carry over to strength, but also it's muscle that's going to stick around. So if I get sick and I'm not hydrated or, you know, I'm not eating as much, you know, I don't lose the swelling of my cells. I legitimately have physical, thicker, denser fibers. That shit's not disappearing in a week, okay? Five days without being able to eat my proper way, I'm not going to lose all of that. It's going to stick around with me. But on the flip side, it takes longer to build. That sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, you can get the benefits of that in a week or two. I mean, and then specifically, even in the, in the exact workout, you're doing it, you get that pump. I mean, you can see it, but then you will, you know, kind of grow into that a little bit, but it's, it's, it's not real. It's not tangible. It's, it's the swelling of the cells. You know, as soon as you, you know, miss a meal or or get sick, then it's gone. You know, a lot of bodybuilders, they, they, they find this problem. They freaking, you know, they diet, they, they work their ass off to build all this size during the off season. And then they diet for their show and they just lose all of their size so fast. I know because this is exactly what I did. I did one show in my life and I lost 11 pounds in nine days. The first, first nine days of my diet, I lost 11 pounds. And I worked for six months to try and put this size on. Why? Because once I cut the carbs out, a lot of my water left and all my gains disappeared because I didn't build real muscle. I didn't work the legit muscle fibers. I didn't make them thicker. I didn't make them denser because I was busy chasing the pump, staring in the mirror, 
liking what I'm seeing. No. Then I started working out in an industrial gym. Just working out in an industrial warehouse. No mirrors, just barbells. It's cold in the winter, so you gotta wear hoodies. You gotta wear sweaters. You gotta cover up, man, because it's freezing. The bar is cold when you grab it. And we lift heavy. And what happened, man? I got strong and I got thick. And it stuck around. Heavy compound movements build myofibular hypertrophy. You need it, man. And it also builds strength, which is badass too, being a strong mother effer. But like I said, it takes longer to build that. So you've got to stick with it for a long time. And using heavier weights, using heavier weights and compound exercises, using a bunch of muscles, not just one, it takes a, a larger toll on your body. It's going to be harder for me to recover from a 5x5 five five deadlift at 405 than it is from three sets of 15 bicep curls, you know, or three sets of 15 lat pull downs. You know, yeah, I can do three sets of 15 lat pull downs and get a sick pump in my lats. Or I can do a five by five deadlift and totally wipe my shit out. I'm going to be freaking exhausted. I actually did more, more reps in the lat pull downs. But there is no comparison. You are going to build a thick, dense-ass, strong back with some deadlifts. And that's the stuff that's going to stick around. That's the stuff that stays with you. Strength just doesn't disappear either. But it lasts. It takes a long time, but it lasts. And it's harder. Yeah, it's much easier. And it's probably a lot more fun for a lot of people to go into your nice little commercialized global gym with its mirrors everywhere and hit, you know, a freaking tricep superset of lat pull downs, cable rows, and, and bicep curls and get this nasty, sick pump, man, hitting 12, 15, 20 reps, drop setting, getting a nasty pump and just blowing out your shirt. And then what happens 30 minutes later? It's all gone and you got nothing to show for it. Or you can go over in the corner of the gym, the dark, dingy corner, and the power rack that nobody uses for some reason. Load that bar up and hit heavy-ass deadlifts with perfect form, hitting three rep sets, four rep sets, maybe five rep sets. Taking your time, perfect form, and just wiping yourself out, freaking exhausted. That's what you need to do. That's what's going to give you the muscle, the real muscle. Now, if you're listening to me, I'm not completely bashing the higher rep stuff. It's necessary in some instances. And it does have its own benefits. You know, higher rep sets of isolation exercises can help reinforce connective tissues. You know, a lot of people, I've had some people that have uh, some elbow issues and I get them doing super high rep sets of some tricep extensions with a band and it helps and it cures them in a week or two. I mean, it has its place rehabbing injuries. You know, if you get a muscle strain, just doing very lightweight, 
controlled movements, just getting a lot of blood flow into the area. I had tendonitis in my knee from idiotic programming on my part, um, not paying attention to what I was doing, you know, just feeling invincible at the time and biting off more than I could chew, being stupid. I got some tendonitis in my knee, hurt so bad. I couldn't even do a lunge, body weight lunge, killed. But how did I, how did I, you know, everything I read said, rest, rest, rest. Don't use it. You got to rest it, ice it. And I would find that days I rested it, it hurt more the next day than if I actually just gutted through a workout. If I gutted through a workout and just dealt with the pain, it actually didn't feel as bad the next day than as if I rested. So I was like, all right, screw resting. I'm not resting anymore. I need to find a way to, 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 to move this thing without hurting. So what did I do? I loaded up a leg press machine with some bands. I didn't even put weight on it. I used bands. I did high rep sets, 20, 25 reps. And I only did the range of motion where it didn't hurt my knee. So it was a very limited range of motion. But I doing those super high rep sets like that, getting a ton of blood into the muscle, into the area. And within a week, it was cured. Totally better. So it has its place. I'm not telling you to completely avoid it. You know, and you will get that metabolic stress from those high rep sets, which is a component of building muscle overall. You know, and you do get the pump, which is really fun. Who doesn't love a good pump? I sure do. So, my question to you is why choose one or the other? Use them both. But you got to use them correctly. So my, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Recommendation. There we go. My recommendation to you, if you're just an average lifter, wanting to be jacked, wanting to be functional and strong, it's my opinion that you want to be on like a 75-25 at the very lowest split of myofibular work to sarcoplasmic work or essentially your heavy compound work to your fluff and buff work you know anywhere from 75 25 maybe up to 85 15 depending on what your current goals are um, should never be one completely one or the other but you'll notice it's heavily skewed to the heavy stuff because that's the stuff that's going to last us that's the stuff that's going to stick around. Then you got that other, you know, quarter of your training that you can use to, you know, maybe bring up a lagging body part or rehab an injury or just have fun, get a pump and feel good. Um, because there is something mental about the pump, man. Getting a pump, you do. You feel good. You feel energized. You feel strong. You feel confident. So use both, man. Use that 75-25 split, maybe that 85-15 split. But it's got to be a majority of the real stuff, man, the real stuff, the hard stuff, the stuff that yields results that last, that stick around, the functional stuff, all right? Start your workouts with the good stuff. Start your workouts with your heavy compound movements for three, four, five, six reps. Start your workouts with those. Where you're freshest, get the most bang for your buck. Maybe pick one or two assistance exercises. 
to work the same pattern or muscle groups, you know, maybe bump the reps up a little bit. Maybe instead of three, four, you're maybe hitting five or six, but still heavy weight, still compound movements. Then near the end of your workout, if you want to get a little pump work in, start playing around the 10, 12, 15 rep range for one exercise, maybe at the end, maybe a little isolation exercise, a single joint exercise, maybe some curls or some lateral raises. That's how you construct your programs following this 75-25 or 85-15 split. That's what's going to build the real muscle, not the fake muscle that disappears if you get sick or take some time off. Stuff that lasts. Now, lastly, I want to touch on a quote. I wrote this down here in my notes that uh, always stuck with me. Um, And I think this wraps everything up nicely. So, you know, we've talked about the myofibular hypertrophy, you know, essentially using heavy weights, making the muscles denser and thicker, getting strong compound movements. And then you got the sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is your high rep work, your pump work, you know, predominantly seen more in isolation exercises, but can be used with compound exercises. You can do sets of 20 reps on bench press. I have done it many times. I have done sets of 20 back squats. I have done sets of, you know, high rep compound movements. You can do it. But like I said, more traditionally seen in more isolation exercises. So we have those two types. And I remember reading a quote, and I don't quite remember who it's from. I want to say it was in Paul Carter and Christian Thibodeau's uh, book, The Maximum Muscle Bible, but I'm not 100% sure. It might have been a Paul Carter book, but I love Paul, Paul Carter. Highly recommend uh, any of his books. He's one of my favorite uh, strength conditioning writers out there. He's awesome. Love the way he writes. And I, I, I like his, his ideologies too. But the quote was, um, you know, it, it might not be word for word this, but essentially what it was was if you want a surefire way to build muscle or if you want a surefire way to get jacked, get a pump with heavy weights. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I always like that because it's kind of, you know, contradicting you know it's like well you know you need to use light weights to get a pump but you know heavy weights are what build the muscle so it's like how, how the hell do i get a pump with heavy weights you know I, I need to work in higher rep ranges to get a pump and i can't do that if the weight's heavy but there is a way um and i just wanted to kind of throw this guy throw this out at you guys because it's something that i've experimented with and i love it it's probably one of my favorite ways to train but it is extremely taxing, um, obviously, if you're getting the best of both worlds, there's got to be a cost somewhere. And it, the cost is, it's very costly from a, an energy standpoint, from, a, you know, just a biological standpoint in your body. It takes a lot out of you. So, you know, you got to use it sparingly and you got to make sure you're recovering properly. Um, and essentially it is. My favorite way anyways, and I'm sure there's other ways, but this is the one I've come to find most effective and the one that I like for myself anyway, and that's using cluster sets. 
So what does that mean? So instead of taking a weight, we'll say it's like a six rep max, or we'll say it's a we'll say it's a five rep max. Same doing bench press, and my five rep max is you know two fifty five. Instead of doing five reps and maxing out with two fifty five, you know. That's what essentially five rep max means. I hope we all know that, that you can only do five reps with it. It's the heaviest weight you can do for five reps. Instead of taking 255, my five rep max, and doing five reps with it, and then being done because I'm cashed out, you know, if I do five reps and rest maybe two, three minutes, and might be able to get maybe three reps on my second set. And if I rest, you know, two, three minutes, then I might get one more ugly one. You know, that's a total of what, eight reps? Instead of doing that, what I could do is take that 255, do two reps, just do two reps. Then I'll rest maybe like 30 or 40 seconds. Maybe not even that long. Maybe it's more like 20 or 30 seconds. Then I'll do two more. Rest another 30 seconds. Do two more. And you can do that for much longer. And because you're getting enough rest, to let those big muscle fibers uh, recover, you're getting enough rest to let them recover, but not so much to where you're letting your whole energy system recover. So you can still build up some metabolic stress that way. And you're going to find out that instead of maybe the eight total reps I got in, in scenario one, where maybe like, you know, and I'm maxing out every set. So on, on that five rep set, maybe that fifth rep is a grinder and looks ugly. That three-rep set, you can probably bet that that third one is ugly as shit. And that single is probably ugly as shit. So you're getting three shitty reps probably in, the, in that scenario, number one. So really, you're probably only getting five good quality reps at most. Whereas if I'm doing sets of two with a weight that I can handle for more, you can bet your ass that all those reps are going to be much higher quality. And you're going to be able to go for a lot longer. So instead of eight total reps, I'm probably going to get more like 10 or 12. So you're getting more total volume with better form. It's a win-win, and you're going to build up some metabolic stress. But it is taxing, man. It is hard, so you got to be careful with it. Now, I did touch on something there that I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit um, when I said the big muscle fibers. So that is another aspect of this whole thing. Um, you know, I didn't write this down in my notes, but when I just said that it kind of popped in my head, so I'll go ahead and throw it in there and then we'll pretty much be done with this. But everybody's muscles, every muscle in your body is made up of, you know, you have big, fast twitch muscle fibers. Some call them type two. They're, they are, they have a bunch of different names. Okay. But essentially to make this easy, since we're talking about getting big, we're going to say all your muscles are composed of two types of muscle fibers. You have big, powerful muscle fibers, and then you have small, weaker muscle fibers. Okay. And this is really being overly simple. All right. So for any of you out there that do know more, you know, don't crucify me. I understand that. I'm trying to keep this nice and simple. So you have your big, powerful muscle fibers and you have your small, weaker muscle fibers. There used to be a school of thought that you could um, change over one or one or the other, depending on how you train, which 
in my opinion, is true to a certain extent. Um, but to tie that into what we're talking about, your big, strong, powerful muscle fibers, those are the ones that grow. Those are the ones that have the potential for growth. So when you get bigger, those are the muscle fibers that are growing 90% of the time. Your small, weaker muscle fibers, they don't have as much potential for growth. That doesn't mean you can't grow them, but they just don't have as much potential for growth. They won't grow as much. When you lift heavy, when you're working in that three to four to five, six rep range, lifting heavy weights with compound movements, you are working the big, powerful muscle fibers. Because when you're dealing with a heavy weight, your brain knows. It sends the signal that, oh shit, this is heavy. We need the big guns. We need, we need the big guns, all right? We need the big guys to help us move this shit. When you're doing fluff and buff work, when the weight is lighter, something you can do 10 plus times, your brain doesn't send that signal. Because your brain is only just thinking about one rep at a time. It's just thinking one rep at a time. Can I lift this right now? Boom, you do the rep. Can I lift this right now? Boom, you do the rep. So it doesn't call those big guns on deck because it doesn't need them. So when you're doing that fluff and buff work, you are leaving out the most powerful mass builders. You're leaving them out of the equation. You know, your big muscle fibers, the ones that have the most potential for growth, they're not getting worked. Now, there are some schools of thought that say when you're doing high rep sets at the very end, if you're going to absolute failure, that when your smaller, weaker ones completely fatigue, that your bigger ones will kick in to help you to, to help you move. There's a, lot, there's a lot of people out there that think that, but there's also schools of thought that think that that's false. And honestly, I can see both sides. You know, if your muscles are dying, if you're if you're failing, then your brain's like, okay, we need to keep going. So let's bring the big guys on deck now. But the people that don't believe that, I can see their their point of view too, because they say, well, if that was the case, then how come when they do bring those bigger ones on, we don't get super fast and powerful all of a sudden? You know, if I'm doing 50 push-ups, if you know the last 10 if reps 40 to 50 were the ones where my, where my big, strong, powerful muscle fibers kicked in, then those 10 would be the easiest of the set. They'd be the fastest, most quality reps of the set, essentially. So I can see both schools of thought. And honestly, I got to be more inclined to think that the big guys don't get brought on. Um, so that's that's another aspect of this thing. That's another reason why you have to be lifting heavy why you have to be focusing on that myofibular hypertrophy, focusing on heavy compound movements in that three to five to six rep range because you're going to bring on the big guys, the big ones, man, the, the guys that have the most potential for growth. So that's about it, guys. That's all I got for you. I hope all that made sense. I hope it wasn't overly scientific for you. Hopefully, you learned something, you know, so you can go and talk to your gym buddies and give them the scoop on how to build real muscle. 
you know, you guys are probably going to go into the gym this week and you're going to go and your guys are going to be ready. They're, oh, man, let's do it. Let's hit it. And they're going to start, you know, pumping out high rep sets. You're be like, mm, you know what? I'm going to come over here and I'm going to start doing some heavy shit. I'm like, man, like, why are you doing that? I don't want to do that. I want to lift heavy. I don't, I'm not going to get a pump that way. That's hard. I don't want to do that. I just want to get the pump and leave, man. Will you let them do that? And then a year later, when they're still shrinking a half an hour after they leave the gym, and you're leaving jacked because you took the time, paid your dues up front, didn't chase vanity in the mirror, didn't chase the pump, then they'll know. So that's how you do it, guys. That's how you build real muscle. Hope all that makes sense. Hope you guys found that helpful, and I hope to be seeing lots of jacked, muscular lifters out there now, focusing on those heavy compound movements, building that real muscle. So if you found this helpful, guys, like this episode, share this episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and get every episode every week automatically downloaded right to your phone so it's ready to go lickety split whenever you're ready. Um, And now I can also say to leave us a review on iTunes. It would be much appreciated. Five stars, man. Let's go. Five-star review. You know what? I'm open to criticism too. So if you thought this sucked, then you could leave me a one-star review. But if you're going to do that, at least tell me why so I can get better. Any feedback is much appreciated, especially those five-star ones. Subscribe to the show. Support the show. Share the show, and until next time, GP, send us out. Second by second, you lose the opportunity to become the person you want to be. Or are you going to stop making excuses and take charge of your fucking life?